Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Capital Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Gardner. Excited to be back with you again, as always. We've got a fun topic today. So, you know, what we've done kind of over the the past, yeah, I'd say past kind of handful, um, not sure of an exact count here, but in recent episodes, we zeroed in more on kind of specific topics, right? You know, delving into, you know, kind of personal finance, uh, negotiations, interviewing, items like that. So today I want to take a moment to kind of take a step back, look more at the at the at the bigger picture, how really how we tie, you know, all those individual topics into ensuring you are, you know, starting your life out uh, with a strong financial footing. So today we're going to be do, going through, you know, I guess what I'll term to, to sound hip, to sound cool, I'll go with, I guess it's not really cool, starter packs were probably uh, uh, more a meme what, a couple of years ago now, but Anyways, I try. So we're going to go through what I call the personal finance starter pack. So six kind of main things that we're going to go through. Um, but really what kind of spawned me, you know, thinking about, about about doing this again, I know I've covered this kind of a similar thing before, but I've had more conversations recently with folks who just aren't quite sure, you know, where to start. And that's and where when I say where to start, I mean like what are the appropriate first steps to, you know, ensure you're you're on a good path forward financially. And I don't think that's that's nothing, you know, that's that's a totally, you know, logical place to start, I think, as I mentioned in, in previous episodes as well. There isn't enough you know, kind of introductory, you know, education around kind of the personal finance space. So a lot of folks are, you know, jumping into their, you know, their first job or, you know, they're, they're getting out of school and they, they want to learn more and they just, you know, they don't know where to start, right? And anytime, you know, just getting started is kind of a daunting concept. So that's why I wanted to, you know, take this week's episode, really, you know, tie in a lot of the things that we've talked about previously into just one kind of, you know, collective, easy to understand roadmap moving forward. So, I'm um, going to be talking about yeah, what are those those first uh, good steps and what should be prioritized. I think that's that's as important as you know knowing where to go. Um, even if you know there's you know six, eight, ten, twenty things that you should be doing, it's you know what should be number one, two, three, and you know, everyone's situation is different. Of course, um, what I'm going to talk about today is kind of a general outline, but I'd say you know you know kind of where you're at better than than I do or anyone else. So take that into consideration when you know evaluating your you know financial priorities. So without further ado, let's get into the the first step, step number one here, and that's just beginning with understanding your your needs, you know, financial obligations, and short and long term goals. So this is really kind of taking stock of your current position. And I think this is something that everyone should be doing, you know, on a fairly regular basis, right? There are certainly key milestones in terms of, you know, making a college decision, you know, taking your first job out of school, maybe just coming out of college and evaluating where you're at um, as you get into your career, kind of, uh, you know, determining, you know, what routes you want to go and you know, how that aligns with, you know, personal interests as well as as financial goals and, and priorities, right? So, if you haven't recently just taken that step back and, and, and done that sort of kind of self-evaluation, certainly recommend you doing so, right? Because you can't plan effectively without having a good grasp around, you know, those concepts I mentioned, right? Needs, obligations, really responsibilities, and then, you know, short, mid, long-term goals. So I'd say, you know, a good starting point, we'll just, we'll, we'll take this from the perspective of someone who is, 
you know, leaving school and you're looking to take, you know, your first job, right? And it's kind of understanding what, what makes sense and, and, you know, how essentially, how do I support myself? What do I need? Right. And the, the first aspect there is, is evaluating monthly or just kind of your, your re- recurring expenses, right? Do you, you know, rent, do you mortgage, do you have, you know, debt that you're paying off? Do you, you know, food, entertainment, significant others, kids, right? You can kind of go down the, that list there of, hey, what am I responsible for? What's really the bare minimum? Like, what would I necessarily need to make to break even? Um, that's kind of the the starting point. Well, sum up those expenses, you know, understand where things are at there. And then that helps you, you know, kind of give, gives you a better lens as, you know, say you're, you're looking for your first job and you understand maybe you have, you know, let's say you have debt to pay off and then you, you know, let's say you, you need $50,000 a year to, to, you know, to satisfy kind of all your outstanding obligations, right? So it's important to know that so that you aren't, you know, jumping out there and say taking a job to make 35,000, right? Because then right out of the gate, you know, you're going to be running in the red 15,000. And as that adds up over time, you know, that's uh, the opposite of what we're, what we're all about, right? That would be starting off uh, with a bad financial foundation. So that's kind of where the, uh, the, the genesis there of that thought is like, hey, understand your, your liabilities and uh, kind of the sum of those costs. So that can guide you, you know, as you're moving forward and in helping determine, you know, what sort of job, what do you need to make to survive? And then that's when you kind of encompass like the short and long term goals, right? So just breaking even isn't a, if you're coming out of school and it's your first job, breaking even is not the end of the world, but ideally we are, you know, we're running above that, right? So we have extra income to, to save, to put towards, you know, big purchases, to do do other things with it, you know, that's, we don't want to live in that break-even category for long, if ever. We always, we always want to be above that. Understanding expenses, again, is going to help you determine what sort of income level you need to support the life that you want to live. Um, And then it's definitely important to be cognizant of, you know, big, big purchases that are coming up, right? Do you, do you need, do you need to buy a new car? Yeah. Right. Do you, you know, do you not own a car and you need to buy one? Um, is your car breaking down? Do you need the budget for significant expenses? Um, you know, do you want to buy a home? Do you want to, are you planning on having kids in the near term? Right. Those are the things that are, again, it's critical to stay aware of because you need to incorporate that into your budget where say, let's say you're making, you know, $60,000, um, let's say after taxes. So 60 after taxes, your expenses are 40. So you have $20,000 left. If you know you want to, you know, save for a house, then it makes sense to say, okay, like I want to save $10,000 a year towards that house. Then in your mind, just kind of mentally check in like, okay, you know, my expenses just went from 40 to 50, right? That $10,000 is set aside. We're going to, you know, partition that out. That's not, it's not spendable. That's not cash that we have available. That is allocated towards a, towards a specific goal, right? So that's where, yeah, staying aware of overall expenses, um, helping that drive kind of your, your income goals, what you need to make. Um, and then, you know, also factoring any big purchases coming up. So that's all under kind of that step one umbrella, right? That self-evaluation of understanding your current financial position. And that drives you forward into step two, which is creating a budget. So I think the, the amount of detail that goes into a budget really, I think varies by person and kind of financial acumen, right? So if you are a, you know, financially, uh, 
I wouldn't, don't necessarily want to say savvy person. Let's say financially aware person, and and you you know generally understand kind of what you're making, what your monthly expenses are. You might not go as far as having an itemized budget where you're breaking down you know each individual cost, you're inputting receipts, you know. But for folks who you know aren't you know quite as financially disciplined, let's say, and and you really do need to be tracking exactly you know cash inflows and outflows. I think that's the, you know, that's the, you know, that's what you need to do, right? And you can use the information that, you know, you kind of gather from the evaluation within step one and, you know, kind of sort out, you know, where do you need to allocate money towards? So you're making 3000 bucks a month. It's, you know, okay, $500 is going towards rent. $500 is going towards debt. 200 for food, you know, 200 for entertainment. Like, okay, now we're at $1,400. Maybe another hundred dollars for insurance. We're at fifteen hundred, right? That's where you know budgeting is helpful. So again, it, it gives you kind of a crystal clear um, idea of where you're at, so you know kind of leftover money. And I think one great tool along kind of the um, along the budgeting lines, you know, it's called like a zero. It's basically a zero dollar budget, which means every dollar of income is allocated somewhere. And that doesn't necessarily mean to expenses, right? Because we don't want to spend every dollar we make. We don't want to live in that break-even category. It just means that you, you know, if you make that $3,000 and you have $1,500 in expenses, you have $1,500 left over. So let's say, okay, we are, you know, we're putting $500 into our investment account and we're putting another $500 into a, you know, into our, you know, our emergency reserves or our emergency fund or, putting the rest towards, um, you know, towards that, that, that home purchase or that car purchase, right? So that way, when you get to the end of kind of your budget there, you have, you know, distributed your funds to cover your obligations as well as, uh, you know, apply them towards your, you know, towards your financial goals or, you know, things that are going to be beneficial for you in the long run. I think what gets a little bit dangerous for folks is when, you know, let's say you you, you make three thousand and your recurring monthly expenses are fifteen hundred. You know, you kind of get that thought in your head, like, oh man, like I've got a lot of money left over. You know, I got fifteen hundred dollars. I can go do whatever with. And it's it's always those small small expenses that uh, add up, right? It's like, oh yeah, like you know, not saying not saying like going out and buying rounds of drinks and whatnot is a bad thing. But let's say you know, you have to say, oh yeah, I've got you know, I've got plenty of money. Let's you know swipe spend a hundred dollars here seventy five dollars there it's those tiny purchases that aren't significant like in the moment where you think about it a lot that are going to add up and you get to the end of the month and you're like holy smokes like i you know i burned through twelve hundred dollars on you know doing these you know kind of these you know going out type things or these small purchases that really weren't important and then you've neglected your savings, you don't have your emergency fund, you aren't, you know, putting money, you're not, you're not investing your money, right? So in that case, you're really just going to, you know, kind of go in circles financially where you're going to, you're, you're going to make money, but you're probably going to fall susceptible to, you know, that income creep where your expenses increase alongside um, your, your income. And then you always kind of net out to the same, uh, you know, rather, um, unstable I would say kind of kind of financial position so budgeting kind of back to step two overall budgeting good way of tracking definitively hey here's recurring expenses here's where I've allocated money to cover those 
I'm allocating the rest of my funds towards, you know, you know, maybe you know, a few hundred dollars to have fun. And then I'm investing X amount. I'm saving X amount. I'm putting this much towards, you know, a future home purchase. That way, you know, where every dollar is going. And it's important to be disciplined and to kind of stay, stay on top of that as well. Make sure you're adhering to kind of the, the objectives you set forth for yourself through that budget. So that's, you know, step one and two kind of are, you know, it's the evaluation of your position, understanding your income, what expenses you need to cover, and, you know, putting money towards the right things. So step three goes a little bit beyond that. And now it's, you know, now we're, let's say, step three is starting to build credit. And the reason that I mention that here is that, you know, steps one and two are kind of our introductory, right? Like you sit down, you, you knock those out. You don't have to have a job to budget. You don't have to have a job um, to n- kind of understand where you're at, right? You could be in the process of seeking out another job um, to do both those things. And that's where building credit also falls into that bucket of where you can start, you know, you can kind of evaluate and establish yourself um, on the credit side at any point in time. There's no prerequisite criteria of like you have to have income to invest right or you have to get money from somewhere to invest this is a baseline thing that you know everyone realistically should be doing i consider it you know obviously one of the most fundamental things out there so the reason i say building credit's important is it ties into a lot of things right we just talked about you know hey if you want to buy a home right you want to buy a car or if there's, you know, other big purchases, anything that you want to finance, right? Financing means you're basically, you're borrowing money to buy something today and you're going to pay it off over time. So when you do that, you're going to pay interest, right? And when you have a better credit score, you're going to get lower interest rates generally, right? And also a good credit score is going to help you, you know, let's say you're, you're looking for places to rent, right? Like, like out here in, in Santa Barbara, it's a very competitive rental market, and they're going to run your credit score when you, you know, apply it for places. So having good credit score, you know, makes you appear as a more, you know, trustworthy and reliable tenant. So that's going to give you a leg up over folks who aren't in that position. So that's where, again, since it's so, it's, it's so easy to get started in a responsible manner, I always, that's why I encourage everyone to do it. I know there's, there's folks out there that are, you know, anti-credit card, anti-debt worried. Oh yeah. You know, if you give somebody, you give this person a credit card, they're going to run up thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, and then they're going to be screwed for life. And certainly that's a risk, right? And I, I, you know, I really preach on here, you know, financial discipline and, and, and self-accountability. So it, you know, that's certainly something that you that you could do. You could run up, you know, a crazy tab and then put yourself in a financial hole. Um, and that's that's a tough spot to be in. So that's, uh, you know, that's definitely not where you want to be at all. And I think the my my counter to that is for folks who you know have never had a credit card, they're scared of a credit card. You know, they don't necessarily trust themselves with it. The easiest way to get going and to build credit without, you know, endangering kind of your financial position, I'd say is, you know, go to, go to, go to your bank or really you can find kind of any credit card, you know, any firm that's offering just like starter credit cards. Um, not necessarily like the, you know, the credit repair type ones, but really just like, like a student card or really a beginner one where you don't, you don't need much credit. Um, if you apply for that, you open that account, you know, you can, It'll probably give you, you know, say like a five hundred thousand dollar limit. So there's not a lot of damage that you can do to yourself, you know, with a pretty low limit card. 
And the best trick in the book is, you know, you're probably paying for some kind of monthly subscription, right? Maybe it's Netflix, Spotify, you know, Apple Music, uh, you know, whatever it might be. That's just a basic recurring charge that you're already paying every month. So my recommendation is, you know, move that subscription over to your credit card, set your credit card up for auto pay. So where you just link your bank account and they're just going to, you know, pull money from it each month automatically. That way you don't even have to worry about, about using it. You can throw it in your desk drawer. Some people like to, you know, put it in a, a bag of water and freeze it so you can't access it, right? Maybe you give it to, um, you know, a relative or, or somebody you trust, um, something, you know, along those lines where you're not, you know, you don't feel that pressure or that, that opportunity to, to go crazy on the spending front, um, I think is a, is a phenomenal way. And I'd say one thing that's nice too, is, you know, if, when you're getting a starter card, if you already have a checking and savings account with a bank, they'll most likely are offering some kind of starter cards. That's a good way where, you know, you keep all of your information, you know, kind of within one, with one firm, it really doesn't matter kind of where you get started. Right. But my point on kind of step three here on building credit is to get started. So, and that's again, beginner card, put a monthly subscription on it, auto pay, you know, let it run. And then, you know, down the road, you, you kind of build up that financial discipline a little bit more Then maybe it makes sense to pursue more of, you know, a rewards credit card or, or things like that, but just start small, like kind of incrementalism there. Um, and then just, in, and build up over time on that front. So yeah, steps one through three, we're evaluating our current financial position. We're establishing a, a budget and we're building credit. So all things that everyone can and should be doing today. Step four is moving into, you know, into more the realm of you, know, you have a job and you're, or, you, know, you have some kind of source of income and you have, you know, you have money left over beyond your, your, you know, recurring expenses. So step four is fully funding, um, in an emergency fund or emergency reserves, kind of what, whatever you want to, you want to term it as, but this is, uh, essentially a, you know, a pool of money that's available uh, you know, it's not it's not locked up in investments. It's not something you spend willy nilly. It's really just a a separate you know uh, pot of cash available for when you know when a disaster strikes. And that could be, hey, you're you know you hit like you know you're two you're whatever sixty thousand mile tune up on your car at seven hundred dollars. You get into a car wreck. Um, something, you know, medically goes wrong and you need to, you know, go get an MRI, right? There's things like that, that don't seem, you know, all that significant, but I can't remember the exact source. There's something along the lines of about 40% of Americans or so can't even cover a, a surprise $400 expense, right? Cause they just don't have the cash on hand. They're living, you know, paycheck to paycheck, Right. And that's what we're trying to avoid here. Right. We want, you know, we want to be in a good spot. Unexpected things are going to happen in life. I think, you know, I've talked about it on the on the podcast before, but you know, as a as a healthy college athlete, I got hit with a extreme just totally out of the blue, um, a super random, you know, autoimmune syndrome and spent a week in the hospital and, you know, without insurance that was, that was a quarter million dollars. So that's kind of, that's obviously an extreme situation, but in the event, you know, that I do, you know, had insurance still need to have cash available to, you know, cover the, you know, cover, you know, the maximum out of pocket for that. Right. So that's where the emergency fund comes in. And generally the rule of thumb there is you want to have 
three to six months of, of income or, you know, expenses set aside. So that way, if you were to lose your job, can't work for a while, an emergency comes up, things like that, that you can stay afloat in that, in that interim period. So I would say, you know, especially, you know, as life goes on, you want to increase those reserves. Um, and, you know, some milestone events are, you know, like if, you know, you're getting married, now you have a responsibility to a spouse, right? And, you know, unfortunate things can happen to both y'all or you have like now you have more extended family maybe you want to start having kids right so as your as your responsibilities expand you should have more you know more kind of set aside in your cash reserves for you know something to 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 go sideways right it's you never want the worst case scenario to happen but here's the thing you'll never regret having planned for the worst case scenario and things turning out better right like if you set aside you know, five thousand dollars and you know in your emergency fund and you and you never need it, perfect, right? But when you need it, if you need it, it's there. And it's it'll save you a lot of heartache where, you know, a lot of a lot of pain and financial stress down the road. So those are the first four there. So yeah, kind of building that reserve, that emergency reserve is I'd say one of the first things to do once you start, you know, generating some income and you're you're above your kind of routine operational expenses. And then beyond once you're in a good spot on that front, step five, start start investing. And that's another thing where it's like credit in the fact that everyone should do it and everyone should start as soon as they can. Though it is, it has that prerequisite of obviously you do need money to invest. You can't just, you know, make capital appear out of thin air. So that is that's a, such a broad concept. I know I've talked about that before. What falls under investing, and you know, I'd say for more detail on that, you know, go listen to some of the some of the previous episodes where I dive into kind of what falls uh, under that umbrella. But when I say start investing, um, I think really the questions that get raised there are like, how do I do? Like, where do I even start? Like, how? Like, I know the stock market exists. How do I deploy my money? into it right or how do i you know where do i even get started and say a great starting point for for really anyone um, is to you know find um you know find an online you know find a brokerage so that when i say brokerage that could be you know we're talking you know e-trade fidelity you know td ameritrade Robinhood, you know things like that are are brokerages right and not to get too technical, bro- brokerages are really kind of vehicles to, you know, execute, uh, you know, trades, right? So buying and selling stock is just a, a very simple version uh, or an explanation along that those lines. But I'm going to start by, you know, open a brokerage account and I'd say, you know, a retirement account. Probably a Roth IRA is a great starting point as well. Um, I did another podcast episode a while back specifically on kind of investment accounts. So, if you have more questions about like what's what's a brokerage versus a Roth IRA, go check that one out. But I'd say for any you know anyone taking on their first job, those are you know I'd say probably the two most you know fundamental accounts. And really, you can't go wrong on a retirement front uh, either, right? So Roth IRA, you know, traditional IRA, you know, using your employer you know sponsored four hundred one k, anything you're doing that's putting money away for retirement is great. Um, I would say the thing is if you do open up an IRA. Just keep in mind, or just any account in general, just putting money in it does not mean that you're investing, right? It means that you have money in the account, still need to go out and, you know, buy 
stocks or funds or, you know, what, whatever it might be. Right. So you can't just throw money into the account and think it's doing something for you without actually, actually putting it to work there. Um, in terms of just getting started, like how do you open those accounts? Just, just Google it. Honestly, just say, Hey, like I want to open an E-Trade brokerage account. Like, boom, search it. You know, they'll, they'll walk you through. It's pretty, pretty easy process. And then you'll be, you'll be up and running before you know it. Um, the one thing that I would say in terms of kind of specific advice here on investing is uh, maxing your employer 401k match. So a lot of, you know, if you're with you know, kind of medium to larger size businesses, a lot of them will offer these 401k plans, which are retirement, they're employer sponsored retirement accounts. Um, and then they'll typically have a, they'll, they'll do some kind of match, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, you put in 3%, they'll, you know, Say say you make a thousand dollars a paycheck, right? You put in you know thirty bucks. That's three percent. They'll also put in thirty dollars, right? So you basically double your money right away. Um, so that's why in saying you know before you invest and in, you know before you put your money in a brokerage account or or an IRA, definitely do the employer uh, the employer match. And you don't have to you don't have to max out your four hundred one k itself, but you might definitely take advantage of whatever free it's essentially free money that your employer is giving you. So, so definitely do that. I can't recommend it enough. It's hard to, it's hard to get an instant return on your money, um, anywhere. So that's step five. We're starting, we're starting to invest. We've got our, we've got our emergency reserves fully funded. We're taking extra money. We're investing it. And now, you know, step six, and this is just more kind of longer term focus, right? Is you've got to, you're in a good spot. If you've accomplished the first five items, you're in a great spot. Um, and now it's about kind of maintaining and continuing the build on that. So step six is the, really, it's it's to avoid the, the easiest way of, of destroying your progress, right? And that is 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 bad debt, right? So debt is... Debt is both awesome and horrifying, depending on the source and the purpose, right? And that's why I differentiate between good and bad debt, and I know a lot of other folks do as well. And I've talked about it before. I'd say, you know, good debt is something like, you know, reasonable costs maybe for, for you know, higher, for higher education or particularly a house, right? Basically getting something that is an asset to you or is going to give you expertise that's going to exponentially boost your, you know, your earnings potential. Um, you know, also just that's also known as just like how much money you'll make over your career. Right. So things like that, like make sense to, to, to leverage, to use debt, to, to finance it. Things that don't make sense, bad debt is, you know, immediately going out and buying, you know, high priced car. Um, or just really racking up credit card debt. I mentioned how those little expenses always, you know, kind of add, they add up. Next thing you know, you're, you know, you're overspending and you can't pay off your credit card bill. They're going to, credit card interest will absolutely crush you because it is anywhere from what, 14 to 25%. I mean, imagine paying 25% a year. You have a, you have a thousand dollars of credit card debt. It's, extra $250. So you could pay $250 in and you still owe a thousand bucks, right? That's where absolutely mission critical to avoid the, the bad debt there or anything that has a high, high interest rate. So 
payday loans are another thing that come to mind. That's I think that those are even worse than credit cards. So avoid those. Um, if you have questions, is your is the student debt that you're taking on really worthwhile? The last episode I did centers around that exact topic. So I'd say go check that one out as well. Um, if you're you know say if you're in, in high school, maybe you got your undergrad, and you're thinking about getting a graduate degree. It's always good to take a step back and, and understand like okay, is is a degree worth it? Do I need a degree to be successful? And, you know, especially do I need a specific degree to pursue a specific career path or, you know, participate in a, in a dedicated field? Um, uh, and like I said, not all debt is bad. So if you're if you're taking on debt to buy a house, I mean, that is that's the that's the space that, that I work in. Right. We're talking working with real estate investment managers and they always use debt because if you have a million dollars of investor money, you could go buy, you know, $1 million property in all cash, or you could go buy, you know, $4 million properties and you put $250,000 down on each. Now you just quadrupled your, your rental income, uh, your, you know, your total assets. And the best part is, you know, as you're paying those down, you can, you can, you know, kind of take money out of the properties and go buy more with them. So, I'm, I'm sure I'll do a whole nother thing on real estate investing, but that's where I'm saying debt is, you know, in those cases, leveraging debt is going to help you, you know, get better returns. Um, my my caution there is you'll see folks talk about using margin um, in kind of in the stock world, you know, stock trading world. That is the same kind of concept. It's where you're taking borrowed money to buy and sell, you know, shares or particular stocks out there. That's a different ballgame. You're not really buying an asset, right? Because you could always lose. So that's something that unless you're very, very, you know, experienced and comfortable with high level of risk, don't don't misconstrue that as as good debt that everyone should be taking on. So that's what I've got for you there. Mention, you know, six key steps, right? We talked about understanding your current needs, obligations, short and long term goals, how that, you know, affects kind of your your future planning. Along the planning vein, you know, step you know, item number two is, is is budgeting effectively, right? Whether that's an itemized budget, you have some ballpark ranges. It's always good to understand, you know, where your cash is going and allocating it all appropriately. Um, you know, step number three is starting to to build credit, right? So you are, you know, getting that starter credit card. You're getting started overall, um, and just trying to, you know, have a you know boost your credit score, you know, as much as possible. So it's going to help you get you know cheaper loans in the future uh, when you need it. Step four is we're we're funding our you know emergency reserves so that way if we you know unexpected things come up we always have cash available. Step five, we're investing you know for the long term, putting money in retirement accounts and we're we're letting it work for us for the next you know 30, 40 years. And then finally, item number six, we're avoiding bad debt so we're not racking up huge credit card bills or anything along those lines. Um, you know these are overall those six steps are points are really just kind of a you know starting starting range starting list of items for for everyone so each each individual situation is going to be different and the way you go about kind of executing on that sort of you know starting plan is 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 up to you this is more so if you said okay i just got my first job what you know where do i even begin what do i start with let's say these six things right the best part about personal finance is it 
it really is a lifetime of learning. So you are constantly going to be learning new things. You know, as you get older, your responsibilities change, your income and expenses change, your goals change, right? As all that, you know, as, as long as all that's fluid and it's going to be for your entire life, right? You can always learn new things and think about, you know, new approaches and, and, and that's the beauty of it. I'd say, you know, overall, the, one of the biggest things, and this applies to so many aspects beyond just starting on a good financial foundation, but, um, it's just overall being patient, right? I think, seen it a lot, you know, lately as well, where more in kind of like a, like a career sense in some ways of, you know, wanting promotions, pay increases, want investment returns to be, you know, astronomically high. And it goes back a little bit to kind of like, you know, just uh, like social media in, in a, in a, in a highlight reel kind of life where everyone posts their best moments and none of their worst. And I think when you start kind of stacking yourself side by side, that's where, you know, the impatience comes in, right? Like, Oh my gosh, that person's crushing it. Like, why am I not there? It's, it's not about, it's not about you versus them, you versus anyone else. It's about you versus you. So don't undercut yourself by, you know, uh, by having limited patience and trying to force things and then just burning yourself on it. So when it comes to personal finance, be patient, learn as much as you can, get started, you know, start by doing the right things. And the most important piece overall is just get started, right? This isn't something, don't start, don't plan the circle back on this when you're 25, 30, 40, 50. Personal finance and, you know, building, you know, creating wealth and, and building a stronger financial future for yourself and, and your loved ones isn't an old person's game. It is the people that are going to be the most successful at it are the ones who started as soon as possible. So with that, I'll let everyone run. You know, if you made it to the end, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Pleasure getting a chance to, to chat with you once again. If y'all ever have any any topics, any any ideas that you want to, that you'd like me to cover, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me, grant at capitaladulting.com. You can find me, um, you know, on social media. I'm on Instagram, you know, at capitaladulting. So go ahead and find me there. Shoot me a message. Shoot me an email. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from y'all and make it, make it more of a conversation. So until the next time, hope y'all take care.